Hey guys, this is the C3 Church Malmo podcast. I am believing God will speak to you today and that a greater level of faith will be unlocked in your life. For more information about C3 Church, go to c3malmo.se. God bless. All right, so um, so getting into this, uh, this message today. So turn with me to your Bibles to Luke 15. Luke 15. Luke the physician. For those who don't know, he was the doctor, and uh, we have one in the house as well too. Um, so let's, let's read that. I'm just going to read the first few passages from uh, verses 1 uh, to 7, and this will be the main uh, part of what I'm speaking about today as well too. Tax, uh, <coughs> tax collectors and other notorious sinners, it's interesting, notorious sinners, I was, you know, what, what does that mean? So you can also be a sinner, but also be famous sinners. But anyway, so that's, that's something I was thinking about. Tax collectors and other notorious sinners often come to listen to Jesus teach. This made the Pharisees and teachers of religious law complain, and that he was uh, associating with sinful people, even eating with them. Ooh, even eating with them. So Jesus told them this story. If a man has a hundred sheep and one of them gets lost, gets lost what will he do? Won't he leave the 99 others in the wilderness and go search for the one that is lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he will, he will joyfully carry it home on his shoulders. When he arrives, he will call together his friends and neighbors saying, Rejoice with me because I found my lost sheep. And in the same way, there is more joy in heaven over one lost sinner who repents and returns to God than over 99 others that are righteous and haven't strayed away. So this will be the, um, the center part uh, of, of my message today. And, uh, and so the title of my, of my message today is God Optics. God Optics, how we see God, how we see God. And, and uh, for those who've been around in life, and, uh, you, you see that there's, there's many ways of seeing this world. There's many ways of being able to view things. Perspectives is, is the topic um, and I think that is uh, what I want the point that I want to drive home. So the first part of this parable, um, or parables, there's three of them in, in, uh, in Luke 15. So it speaks about the lost sheep, and then there's the lost coin, which speaks more about ser- um, stewardship over what has been given to you. And then the other one is about the, uh, the uh, parable uh, of the lost son, the son who squanders it all, heads off to Vegas, uh, realizes what happens in Vegas, does not stay in Vegas, but stains your soul. So these are the type of things that, yeah, so it's about making sure that you as a, as a person find or, or, or recognized as, as God sees you uh, as an individual. So it's so important to realize that God is on a rescue mission. He is on a rescue mission to go and find you. And I think that is, that is so important to realize that this is why Jesus actually came to this earth as well, and I'll speak about that in a moment. And the devil knows that how you perceive or see God will affect everything in your life. So if you, if you had to even forget Sean the sheep, which will be difficult, uh, there's one phrase that I want you guys to remember today. is how you see God affects everything in your life. How you see God will affect everything in your life, the way you see Him, how you see Him, super important. So... Uh, in, in, uh, in Matthew 25, there's, um, we speak, uh, uh, Jesus speaks about the talents that were given to uh, uh, three different slaves. So a talent is 33 kilograms of silver. So when you read about the talents 
what, what is a talent? But a talent is 33 kilograms of silver. So five talents were given to one slave, uh, two to another, and one uh, to a third. Uh, upon the return uh, of the master going away, uh, two, the first two slaves that were given five and two uh, consecutively came to the master joyfully saying, hey, master, I've doubled uh, what you've given to me. Uh, here it is. Here's your profit. And he rewarded them. And, he, and, and the master was super excited about it. He was like, wow, that's, that's great. Well done, my good and faithful servants. And uh, he gave them, uh, he gave them their, their just reward for that. The third servant had a very different perspective. He said, you know, master, I, I, I took that one talent that you gave me, stuck it in the ground, hid it because I was afraid of you, because I know that you are a, a, um, a master who is, uh, you know, has a nature of being you know, upset with people or whatever it may be. So he saw very two different accounts, very two different accounts. So the first two slaves, um, they, 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 they were quite happy and, 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 and of course, to, to share their joy with the master and, and knew that the master was going to be celebratory over, over them. But then the, the third one, he saw the master as one that was condemning. Um, and it's, it's interesting to see. And of course, the third one received his just reward. Um, and, uh, and, and the devil tries to disillusion us many times as well, too, in the way we see Jesus. And uh, if, if you think about it, you go back to uh, Genesis, where Adam and Eve, uh, and the way they also had relationship with God is that it mentions in, in Genesis how uh, Adam used to stroll in the cool mornings with God through the garden. And um, so, so the snake, oh, devil, came to, came to Adam and Eve and said, don't you want to take of that fruit? Oh, no, they said, no, God said, we shouldn't take of it. He said, oh, are you sure that God really say that? You know, sowing a bit of doubt in there. Um, don't you, I, I think, I think that if you partake in that fruit, you're going to be just like him. You're going to be smarter than him. So, of course, Adam and B, being as naive as they did, they, they went and partook uh, and, and they took the fruit. And, um, but they, they were sown a different perspective about God. They were, they were, given, God, they were given a different lens, a different perspective on how they see God. And, um, and, and that's interesting because the devil tries to do that on a regular basis. He tries to t- twist an absolute truth and, and makes it subject or biased to, uh, to the way he wants us to see it. And of course, we all know where that led uh, to Adam and Eve uh, being where they are and uh, eventually left uh, the garden. So different perspectives in the way we see God. Um, so just again, I wanted to go through verses 1 to 2 again. So the tax, tax collectors and other notorious sinners came, sorry, the tax collectors and other notorious sinners often came to listen to Jesus teach. This made the, uh, the Pharisees and teachers of religious law complain that he was associating with these sinful people and even eating with them. I'm probably not doing a good enough job, guys, as a leader in this church, if, if religious people around me are, are, are not complaining. Um, and when someone says to you, you've got a religious uh, spirit, it's not a compliment. It's not a compliment. And, um, you know, so, so God didn't stand there and from his holy white cloud looking down upon earth and thinking, Jesus, I would like you to go back to earth or go to earth and uh, create another religion. I don't think there's enough war in this world. So I want you to go there and create another religion. I don't think it's quite like that. Now, Jesus came to this earth uh, specifically to fulfill the religious requirements so that, we could, uh, so that he could restore what was broken in Eden. He came to fulfill the religious requirements here on earth so that he could restore what was broken. And what broke in Eden was relationship with God. 
So that's what he came back for. And I don't think we always realize that. You know, so Adam didn't, uh, while he was walking around uh, in the garden, uh, he didn't have to bow five times uh, a day to the east. Uh, He didn't have to climb uh, stairs up and down to a religious uh, entity. Uh, He didn't have to stand in front of a wall wailing on a regular basis. He didn't have to do this program and that program to qualify qualify what religious what religiosity requires, but all that he had to do is he had to walk with God in the garden to be in relationship with God. And, and I, was, uh, I was reminded by this uh, over this, uh, this weekend when we had the men's retreat. Um, we, we went for a walk this, uh, in the morning. I uh, had a great discussion with Roland. Where's Roland? He's not here. There he is. I had a great discussion with Yuan, um, and also we had a great discussion with Stefan as well, too. And, you know, while we were walking, we were building relationship. We were building relationship. We were talking to each other. We were, we were obviously discussing very different things uh, <laughs> amongst each other, but that was, that was great. We were building relationship with each other. And, um, and, and, of course, this is the way God did it as well, too, uh, walking with Adam in the garden, building relationship with him. And it's quite interesting at the end of verse 2, it specifically highlights that Oh, and Jesus was eating with those filthy sinners. Like, okay, but why, why does the Bible specifically meet, you know? And that, that to me is actually the apex of relationship building, is when you do a meal together. That, is the, that, was, that was Jesus' opportunity to be able to build relationship with people. doesn't matter who they are. doesn't matter who they are. Jesus was there building relationship with people around a meal. And, of course, the Pharisees saw that as... Um, as something that go, goes against what they were, were that, that they were busy teaching, and uh, the Pharisees they try to they do, try to claim God for themselves. They try to separate themselves from the people and saying, Oof, "We are the holy club, the uh, frozen chosen." They were they were quite they were trying to segment themselves to be different, and um, and Jesus came to to break all of that down. He said, "Hang on a second. This is not the point of why I came to earth. I did not come here to create another religion. I came here to create and forge relationship with people. And it doesn't matter who you are. You know, Christ, Christ is not a distinguisher of man or differentiator. He, he, he loves all of us. It doesn't matter what ethnic background, what language you speak, what, what you have believed from before. Christ loves you no matter who and what you are and, and your past. I think that for me, it's the whole crux of it all. So in verses, um, in verses uh, 3 to 7, I just wanted to read it to you. So Jesus told them the story. Um, sorry, I've already gone through that. So, so just again repeating is that Jesus picks up the sheep, puts it on his shoulder, celebrates, and again, uh, this is how God sees us as well too. He's concerned about the one. So I've got three topics or three points that I quickly want to highlight. I know we're short on time, so I'm going to go through it. So make sure you've got some ears listening today, and I'm going to... Uh, hopefully be able to help you take something away today. So point number one, God is a seeker. God is a seeker. So in verse four, if a man has a hundred sheep and one of them gets lost, what will he do? Won't he leave the 99 others in the wilderness and go and search for the one uh, that is lost until he finds it? God knows when there is one missing. God's heart aches when there's a lost soul. God notices the little things. He notices the small things. 
And I think that's really, that's God's heart. You might think, oh, you know, God doesn't care about me. There are so many other people, 7.2 other billion to take care of. What does he think? Uh, he doesn't care about me. And I want to say that's not true. God's heart is about the one. God's heart is about the one. He's a 99% God. He's a, he's, so he's not a 99% God. He's a 100% God. And, um, and this is, of course, uh, many times we, we see uh, churches that are classified as seeker-sensitive churches. I think we may have seen that, or seeker-friendly churches. I think we've heard that, uh, that phrase um, from before. And, uh, I know, and, it's, and I've been in some of those churches before where we might be standing on stage and we say, oh, no, God, you know, this, uh, we, we, have, we have a service, but don't you want to just stand around the corner while we do the show and afterwards you can come out in case people get offended? And I want to say that this is not this church. You know, every, uh, every Sunday before this church starts, uh, we uh, as leaders pray for this church. We invite God into the service because without Him being in the service, then, uh, then of course, it's just a gathering of people. And we ask God to seek people out, seek Him in the, in the worship. So it's so important, guys, we engage in the worship that we allow God to seek us, to seek our hearts. And hopefully as well, too, through the, through the preaching as well, too, you believe that and, and hear that God is busy searching you out. So God is a seeker, and we are responsible as a congregation to be able to create a friendly environment. So we are a seeker-sensitive or seeker-friendly church, but very different from the one that we know. Um, Yes, so Adam and Eve felt, uh, or God felt the departure from Adam and Eve immediately after they sinned. There was a clear feeling from God because he, he asked the question, Adam and Eve, where are you? Where are you? And he went searching for them. He had to go and, he had to go and find them in the garden after they had sinned, and after they had, uh, they had drawn a line in the sand between uh, themselves and God. And he eventually found them. He did find them. Uh, Eve, being the great uh, seamstress that she was, put a few fig leaves together. God said, whoa, that's out of fashion. I'm going to give you some nice leather clothes. So they were the first ones, leather, leather wearers. So for those of you who think I'm joking, read in the Bible, he did make some leather clothing for them. So, so that, was, that was amazing how God, God seeks us out even if we are sinners. And I think that's so important to realize that even Adam and Eve who sinned, God went and go to go and look for them, and he found them, and... Um, he still loves them. So Jesus came to seek and save. That was his mission. That was the whole assignment why Jesus was on this earth. He came to seek and to save. And I want us to, you know, to, to remember that and that, that Christ, again, did not come to this earth to create another religion. He came to this earth to seek and to save and to build relationship with us. Jesus is, uh, is, is in relentless pursuit of us. He is he's, uh, he's seeking after us. And um, you know, I, I pray and, I, and, I, and I'm very deliberate around building relationship for my family, so not Christelle and, and Dylan and Jason, but my, my parents, my brothers, because I know that if I build that relationship with them, hopefully they're going to see Christ in my life. I've been saved for about 18 years now, give or take plus one, depends how you count, and the behavior before and after that. Um, but uh, I would say that I, I, in the beginning, I, I was a little bit religious in my approach towards my towards my family. I would quote scripture. I would be, the Gideons used the word a zealot. I was a little bit, how would I say, a little bit overambitious about getting them saved. You know, I was like, 
Um, I don't know if you guys have seen, uh, at least I haven't seen it for a while, you have these street preachers. Um, I knew they're quite prominent in, in London, Oxford Street, and uh, other places in Malmö. They've been in Copenhagen. And they stand there with their big microphones, and they're saying, Turn or burn! <laughs> Hell is upon your doorstep if you don't turn to... And you're like, and I wonder why people don't turn to Jesus. I'm like, my goodness, honestly, really? Do you think people are going to run to you? They're running from you. And so I decided um, early on to, or, or after I saw that my, my zealotness didn't work, I, I decided that I'm going to, I'm going to build a relationship with my, with my family instead. And the principles that Christ has instilled in my life and the relationship that I had with Jesus Christ gave me a platform to be able to speak into the lives. It's now 18 years. My father's divorced. My brother's divorced. My younger brother has a child with another lady and is now married to another woman. And, and, and they, let's put it this way. Their lives are quite complex, quite complex. And, uh, and, I, and for, for not a, a minute do I ever believe uh, that I've got it all worked out, not for a second. I've got a long list that goes below this platform down to the super kids room of things that I still need to work out in my life. But at least my family has recognized Christ in my life. They've come to me and they've said, Matthew, you know, could you please give me advice about this and this and this? They go to church, uh, not on an often basis, but on a regular basis. They, the conversations have changed. Uh, I come from a family with some interesting conversations. wouldn't say, uh, yeah, they're very holy. Um, but the conversations have changed a lot, uh, especially when I'm there as well too. So I have seen at least through my relationship with them and, and relationship with Christ, I've seen a change in their life take place. And I see God seeking them out through my life. And I think that is, that's what I want to encourage you as well to is that don't be preaching to your family members, to those who are praying for them. Just build a relationship with them and allow time to be, uh, to be the um, uh, ambassador for you and Christ in your life. And that has been, that has been an amazing uh, journey. I quickly want to touch on, on, uh, on, a, on a, an amazing story as well to where God was seeking someone uh, in the Bible. And uh, it goes by a name of, uh, of Jonah. Jonah and the whale. I think we all know that. So, so Jonah, Jonah was a young prophet, and um, so God gave him clear instructions. He said, Jonah, I want you to go to Nineveh, and I want you to go and tell those people off, tell them stop uh, doing what they're doing in terms of uh, sinning, worshiping false idols, uh, and the list goes on. And Jonah was a little like, <laughs> God, I think you got the wrong, I think you got the wrong prophet over here. So Jonah, uh, so Jonah woke up one morning, went down to the seaside city of Joppa, he, uh, he paid his way onto a merchant ship, and the merchant ship was not sailing to Nineveh. It was on its way to Tarsus. So Tarsus, apparently, as the scriptures say, or at least some of the, uh, uh, some of the other scholars say, is a party city. A little bit like um, Ibiza. So he was on his way there and like, okay, Jonah, I think you're going to the wrong city. So God, God was seeking him out. He's like, no, my friend, you're not going to Tarsus, to go party your life away. I've got a mission for you. So he sent a great storm, and uh, so the, the, the ship merchants, the sailors, they decided, you know, look, if we don't dispose some of our cargo, the ship is going to go down. So they went down into the hole at the bottom. They were busy tossing out the, the cargo, and there they see busy Jonah lying in a hammock, busy sleeping away in this big rough storm. And they're like, what are you doing sleeping in the storm? Tell your God, please, to to stop this. We've been praying to our gods, not working, but uh, please can you pray to your God? And, uh, and Jonah's like, well, 
guys, I just wanted to let you know, I'm actually in rebellion. I'm running away from God's calling. And the reason why we're in the storm is because of me. And they're like, what? <laughs> and uh, so they, they, um, they, they thought, well, if his God created the storm because he's in rebellion, that's going to be uh, quite, uh, quite a bad move from us to toss him over. What will God, his God do to us if we do that? So they decided to try and row back. So they actually, the word says, they tried to row back in the storm to the shore. And that quite didn't work out, and the storm actually got worse. And then after a while, uh, they thought, well, yeah, we are going to die. Jonah goes overboard, a whale swallows him, and the storm subsides. So he's there for three days uh, in in the whale. And uh, when I read the story to Jason uh, on on a a regular basis, uh, Jason always says to me, but Daddy, why did Jonah only start praying after three days? Uh, I was like, yeah, that's a very good question, Jason. I don't know. I would have started praying about one hour after being in the fish. But anyway, Jonah decided three days is maybe what he, the incubation period that he needed to be in that fish. So anyway, so that was, that, was, uh, that was Jonah the whale. And then eventually the whale spat him out onto the seashore of Nineveh. And there he was. Uh, people repented immediately. I don't know if it because he was, you know, he was all white and bleak because of the stomach acids, uh, or it was just because they saw this guy walking after being in the fish for three days. Nevertheless, Nineveh, uh, after uh, Jonah walking around for three days, 150,000 people turned all the way from the slaves to the king, and, um, and they got saved because of Jonah's obedience eventually. But you know, guys, this, <laughs> the moral of the story is, is that don't, no matter where you are, no matter where you are, Jesus is going to find you, even if it's at the bottom of a ship in a great storm. Even if it's at the bottom of a, of a ship in a great storm. Point number two, God is a lifter. God is a lifter. Luke 15 verse 5, and then, sorry, and when he found it, the sheep, the lost one, he will joyfully carry it home on his shoulders. Joyfully carry it on his shoulders. So, you know, God being the shepherd didn't come to this lost sheep and said, Sheep, what are you doing? Why did you get lost? He didn't kick the sheep. He didn't condemn the sheep. He didn't say, you smelly sheep. Look at you. How dirty you are after a few days being about in this wilderness. You smelly, smelly, smelly sheep. That's not God's heart. That is not God's heart. So being, being a lost sheep, God comes and picks it up, lifts it up, puts it on his shoulders, and carries it home. And it's the same way God sees us as we being the lost ones. He will not condemn you like the street preachers are saying, you filthy sinner, turn or burn. That's not, that's not what God will do. He comes and He loves you. He will seek you out from where you are. He will lift you and put you onto His shoulders. And He will carry you. And He will carry you home. Let's invite the band up. I've got a lot more over here, but I think I just want to respect the time. He will lift you out of the miry clay and set your feet on solid rock. When we go to an event, I have my two young boys with me, Dylan and Jason. And after about half an hour, the whining starts. Daddy, pick me up. Pick me up, Daddy. They discover they don't have legs after half an hour. I'm like, really? Really? So, so I'm picking them up and I carry them. And although they are heavy, you know, they are my children. They are my child. Dylan and Jason are my children. 
And uh, no matter uh, how tired they are, or no matter what the circumstances are, I've recognized them as my child. And in the same way, God recognizes you as His child. No matter where you are, no matter how lost you are, no matter how tired you are, He will pick you up and He will carry you. He will not condemn you. He's not this religious God with a big stick walking around and just waiting for the next move. Ah, you sinned. Boom! And knock you on the head as some people try and portray God being this big old man with a hairy, hairy gray beard, which is uh, quite far from it. Now, for me, guys, that is, uh, that is the perspective. And the way we see God will determine how you live your life. The way you see God will be determining how you live your life and how your life will end up being. And so for me, it's so important to see God in the way He sees you, loves you as His child, no matter if you're lost, no matter if you have uh, walked off the, the predestined path like Jonah, made a way, <laughs> brought him back. And um, so the third point, God is a celebration God. He's a celebration God. When he, when he arrives, he will call together his friends and neighbors, saying, Rejoice with me, because we have found my lost sheep. In the same way, there's more joy in heaven over one lost sinner who repents and returns to God than 99 others who are righteous and haven't strayed away. Guys, Jesus is interested in the one. He is interested in the lost one. The devil is a liar. He will try and tell you lies and saying, don't worry, God doesn't care about you. He's got 7.2 others to take care of. Don't worry. Don't worry. Just do what you're doing. Your life is worth celebrating. Your life is worth celebrating. No matter who you are, no matter what path you have followed, no matter what life your parents are on, your brothers, your friends, God cares about your colleagues. God cares about your lost friends. He cares about you. And uh, for me, that is God's heart. He's a God of relationship. He cares about you. He wants to walk with you in the cool of the day. He wants to embrace you, bring you close to His bosom and saying, you are my child. I get no greater satisfaction in this world when my two sons come to me and just want to cuddle with me and hold. I just, oh, <laughs> there's, uh, there's fewer things that can compare when embracing your child. And I think this is the same way that God is just standing there, open arms, ready for you to come. And it's just up to you to go running to Him. He's seeking you. He will lift you. And He will celebrate you in your life. I just want to give, um, at the end of the service, uh, once Shettle concludes, to, um, to invite anyone forward who uh, is maybe feeling like a lost sheep today, who's feeling like they, uh, they need to be lifted up, they, need, they, they feel like they want to be celebrated and recognized. If that's you today, I want, to, I want to call you forward after the service. I'd love to pray with you, love to introduce you to Jesus Christ, pray the sinner's prayer, or just pray a prayer with you. Um, because again, God cares about you, cares about the one. And um, so that, 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 is, that is God's heart. That is God's heart for us. So I just want to invite you guys afterwards to come pray with me. Love to introduce you to Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, our Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. 
atrás.